listening or streaming Accessibility Moving Forwards podcast. We bring you only the best and respected podcasters. Here, check out these podcasters. I forgot what I was saying. Hold on. Give the the dog a second. She'll remind you. (laughs) What I say, puppy? Uh, Nor does this have anything to do with my job. Just, you know, I'm... What was that? Oh, take it, Bill Tillery. I've lost control. I've lost control. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Accessibility Moving Forward. And we are really privileged tonight to have with us some talented people in the podcasting business, as well as other things that they do that we can't talk about. But uh, we're really excited to bring to you tonight a cast about hearing aids and hearing accessibility. First of all, we have one of our longtime colleagues from up in Springfield, Mr. Parker Waddington. Parker, thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. All right, and from the state of Missouri again, we have Mr. Thomas Domville, a.k.a. Anonymous. Thomas, thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for inviting me. And the inimitable Scott Deverett of podcasting fame in many, many ways and areas. Scott, thanks for coming and being with us tonight. Well, thank you for having me, although I'm not very powerful. Just in oh, case you're Oh, sure you are. You <laughs> <laughs> got to introduce the big R. What happened? I'm not introducing the big R. Everybody knows the big R. He introduces himself. The big R. See what I mean? <laughs> yes, of course, Randy is with us as always. We're, we appreciate his talents. Hello, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome to Accessibility Moving Forward. Scott, thanks for coming on such short notice. All of you guys, because uh, we've had several attempts to get you guys on here before. All three of you said absolutely not. <laughs> if I'm on it, it's, it's accessibility stumbling backwards. Not <laughs> now, I met Scott back in 2012 when we were doing Accessible Devices, a podcast that we did a a long time ago, and he was literally thrown in the mix. And I remember him saying, now I know why I was uh, given this opportunity to get on Accessible Devices, because nobody else from the Applevis team would do it back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a draw. Yeah, um, and then we've been off and on friends. For many, many, many years. <clears throat> no, actually, we've been friends for so many. All of us have, actually. We're old. We're oh, old. We are. Speak for yourself. I haven't started getting old yet. What does Bill mean that, that in other jobs that we can't discuss about what they did? <laughs> That's oh, do, you want to, do you want to discuss that instead of hearing age? Would you like to lay it all out there tonight, Thomas? <laughs> I am uh, under the Federal Witness Program. Uh, that won't help you. I'm just going to turn my collar around now. You can start confessing. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, tell us all. <laughs> Thomas has his fingers in a lot of pies, and I don't mean raspberry pies from uh, Android either. I mean, he has a lot of fingers in a lot of things, and that's why nothing well, works. <laughs> wait, Thomas, is Thomas in your ears, or are those hearing aids? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Now, a little story, guys. Thomas couldn't be here last week when we started recording. Uh, it was an epic fail because, believe this or not, and this is no joking. I'm noted, actually, for being totally serious on everything, you know. <laughs> 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 but Thomas uh, 
had a problem, believe it or not, and he couldn't get on because he had problems with his hearing aids, which is what we're going to be talking about. So let's just kind of start it off here, Tom. Um, when you lost your hearing aids, obviously uh, you were having a lot of difficulty. Tell us what happened there, and then we'll start going a l little bit uh, around the table and talk about some of these hearing aid uh, accomplishments that have been uh, brought uh, to the table in, in quite a few years. They're so much better and everything. So start with um, how you oh, lost them, what it did to your, your state of being. Uh -huh. It was, it was, you know, it was just so ironic. It would, it would happen at the time. Yes, that I we know. <laughs> and it went out. Um, this was the first time I had the problem with these pairs. I've had these pairs for three years. I have two hearing aids, one on the left and right. And the right just all of a sudden just went out. I mean, it, there was like nothing coming out of it. Um, the A was on, but I heard absolutely nothing. So you had a bad case of mono? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so bad. Oh, God. <laughs> I, did, I did have them on, but uh, uh, it, it, no, it was really frustrating because um, I, I took them off and I looked at it. Typically, the first thing we always do is there's um, we have these little, I don't want to, little channel holes in, in the ear themselves. It, every ear mold that goes in the ear have, well, the ones I've always worn, they always have two little holes. One um, is for the micro, or actually, I'm sorry, the speaker, and the speaker goes into your ear, so that that little hole. And the other one's just um, lets the air out, and also it lets sound come through the little hole sideways. Anyway, sometimes those get clogged up. Um, I know that sounds disgusting, but earwax is the number one culprit for most obstruction or anything like that with the aid. I didn't have any of that issue, so I knew it was a hardware problem. And, of course, when I called my audiologist, she was busy. Um, she wouldn't be available for a couple of days. And I said, oh, and it just so happened to be through the weekend. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I had a very, very difficult time understanding everybody. I mean, yes, I have one hearing aid that was working, but that it's, everything becomes imbalanced. Like, everything just... Um, Yes, I could hear on the left, but not as clear when I have both ends. So it ends up being there are um, microphones located around your hearing aids. They have a microphone facing towards the front of you. So the person in front of you get the bi-directional microphone. So that you, when they talk to you, it gets into the microphone. Then there's microphones on the side and there's microphone on the back. Well, for some reason... Um, I didn't realize there were filters in these microphone slots, and they were clogged up. So it was that simple. She just had to take them apart, take the filter out, clean it all up, and voila, and I got my hearing aid back. And then I realized something's weird. Like, it improved it so much. Then I started getting imbalance. Like, it was like 60-40. Uh, I was getting 60% all the hearing from the right side and 40 on the left. So it wasn't equalized. So we had to do a lot of syncing and tweaking to make it sound even. And um, so that, yeah, it goes through a lot of process to do something like that. And um, unfortunately that's not the first time it's ever happened, but to these aids it has, I have lots of other problems and um, we probably will discuss it about different types of hearing. Some have tubes, some have wires um, going to your ear mold, and the tubes 
are the worst. And, but I will leave that for discussion later. Because that's what happened to my weekend. Yeah, that was very strange because I thought, well, I've heard excuses before. He just doesn't want to come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, at least it wasn't I lost them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is true. That is true. You know, when I was a young kid, I I would always fall asleep with my aide. And then when I woke up in the morning, they're gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> and my mom would just go, you're be wearing your hearing aids. You need to put them on. And we would be searching all over the bed, want to be on the underneath the, uh, the bed. And the sheets. So, yeah, it's like looking for your walls back in the young days. Oh, I, I still lose my I lose everything. So I know what that's like. Um, but, boy, to have small aids, I can imagine they'd be really tough. I know all of you that are wearing hearing aids all have different hearing issues and causes and things. Primarily the focus is accessibility of hearing aids. And also we can talk about the issue of I'm glad that I got hearing aids because now I, I know Tom's story and I know Scott's story. Parker has a little different story. Scott, let's, uh, let's go over to you. So you've got some really high-powered hearing aids, and they definitely help you, obviously. The reason that we're talking about the accessibility of them, because without them, you couldn't really accomplish what you need to do in your life of podcasting and other certain things, right? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I hear nothing without them, so... I mean, that could be for good or for bad, depending on how badly you want me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, just got a new pair, actually, of, uh, of hearing aids. And they're the most powerful ones on the market because I have what is called a profound hearing loss, although I don't feel very, very profound now that it's happened. <laughs> um, essentially, I hear nothing without them, which makes for great nap time on the airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if... If I want to be, I want to have the final word, at least according to my years. <laughs> As I'll probably do before this podcast is over. I'll probably be in just a minute, right? Yeah. What'd you say? I turned them off. See? <laughs> <laughs> they're, all, they're also fairly expensive, are they not, Scott? <laughs> they are and they aren't. We can get more into that, you know. No. Uh, you know, there's varying degrees of accessibility depending on what right. you want to do with them. Right. MFI hearing aids, you know, have their limitations too, but they have certainly increased the amount of options that you have that you used to have to go to an audiologist to get adjusted. Some of them, depending on your hearing aid, you don't have to do that anymore. Okay. Well, um, the reason the reason I mentioned the cost of yours is I was listening to the Applevis Extra from last Monday. And you mentioned the cost of those on that cast, and I just nearly fainted. You know, just especially when you're having to pick up the ticket. Yeah, you know? it was thirty five hundred <laughs> a piece. It was yeah, that's. <laughs> and see, that's what I don't get. Okay, I don't want to get too much on a rant here, but I understand. Most insurance companies have eye care plans for your mm -hmm. glasses, your contact lenses, whatever you might need. Most insurance companies do not have coverage for hearing loss. Mm -hmm. I, if I don't know, that's any crazy. Do. It is crazy. I, I, I asked. I said, "What? Why is it that it's not covered?" And they said, "Well, we consider that as cosmetic." I said, "Cosmetic? Wait a minute. or something? I'm trying to get rid of a wrinkle. I'm trying to hear better." I, well, just, you know, it's interesting because prosthetic eyes are also considered a cosmetic by most insurance companies. So, particularly Medicare, Medicaid, as far as I know. 
I'm not, I'm not an insurance expert, but that's just what I've been told by various people. Wow. Is there not some loophole that one can get, get into? I mean, if you are low vision or blind, how is that not looked at as something that, that you have to have? I mean, my God, they should go through this. I agree with you. Some states you can get voc rehab to cover them in certain mm-hmm. situations. Like if you can say, hey, I can't do my job. I need these hearing aids. Although some states are just doing a blanket statement. No, we don't cover hearing aids. My state do that. If you are going to school or you are in a job currently, they 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 paid for my last pair. Surely for someone who is retired, you'd think that they would have some kind of a loophole. I mean, how the heck do you navigate? Well, I know you can use a cane. I mean, I, there are a lot of deafblind people out there, so I don't want to anger anyone, but... Geez, it it would be awfully tough, I would think, to not have a a pair of them if they would help you. Well, I mean, it's not uncommon to have uh, people turn up their TVs. It's just blaring. It's just blasting, and they think everything is fine. So, I mean, that's that's how they get away with things, just turning things really up loud. Turn things up loud. There are a lot of alternative things that you can do. I mean, certainly... Um, there's something to be said for turning things up and there are things to be said for, um, you know, trying to get hearing aids. But in some senses, the alternatives that are out there are not always easily learned or easily uh, available to people. And, you know, there are other alternatives to using your hearing to navigate. I use some of them, but I guess... That's not really on the topic of accessible hearing aids. What is, though, is how you do things in your job. I don't know if you care to tell them what you do for a livelihood. I I have a lot of ongoing projects, but my main uh, source of income at the moment, I work for Sprint Accessibility, and uh, we actually uh, use some of those uh, things in our products. Um, I work for, we have a national deafblind program, and we do a lot of uh, training and marketing and outreach for our IP relay service, which is basically Mm -hmm. the ability to use uh, your iPhone or your computer to make a phone call. You make the phone call to a relay operator who can hear the phone. They'll type to you what the hearing person says, and you type back to the operator who then, you know, relays your message. Uh, We also use... um, something called CapTel, and we uh, provide that service. These are both free, by the way, um, through different programs. Sprint IP Relay is its own service, so it's, it's pretty much on every platform that you could think of, and that's free to, uh, to use if you qualify. Uh, but we also have CapTel, which is a captioning phone, and it's basically what the name implies. You get a caption of the other side of the conversation in either very large print you can get it or you can also get with some braille display support so those are the main two things that i uh, work on with sprint but i also do a lot of consulting with their uh, you know internal accessibility and such they have android phones and iphones how do you do that with a relay operator through those kinds of devices so what you do for uh, a relay call is you would download it's a free download through either android or ios um, the Sprint IP Relay app, and that allows you to make relay calls. There is a sign-up process that you have to go through because um, the FCC has made it mandatory because we had a problem with fraudulent phone calls in the relay industry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it was really bad. Um, but so you have to go through a three-step verification process, and once you do that, 
uh, you're approved and the service is free to use. You get your own 10 digit phone number that for right now, unfortunately, is separate from your actual phone number. Um, but you could look at that as a positive thing too, I guess, depending on how you want to use the service. You do have real-time text, which is a service that's not unique to any carrier, but it's available on the iPhone now. But uh, the thing with real-time text is it's not 100% reliable yet, especially for Braille display users. And it takes a lot to, uh, to set it up. And there are restrictions on using, um, you know, state-by-state -state relay. Uh, so Sprint IP Relay works nationwide, doesn't matter where you are. Real-time text will probably eventually replace Sprint IP Relay, or Sprint IP Relay, rather, will probably be integrated into real-time text. But for now, uh, they're separate services, which is good because you can also use it, say, for example, if you're on Wi-Fi at home and you want to make a call, you can log in with your laptop computer and do that. Um, and then... Also, like if you miss a call and then uh, somebody leaves you a message, it gets emailed to you so you can read it. You know, you don't have to try and listen. So that's the relay side. Does it work with voicemail? It'll be uh, so if you're not available when somebody calls, they have an option to leave you a message. And when that message is left, it's delivered to your email address that's on file with Sprint IP Relay. Oh, cool. Okay. And then does it come out as a text then? Yep. It just comes out as regular text. Okay. Okay. I, don't, I was just running because I don't get voicemail. I get hate mail, <laughs> but I don't get voicemail. <laughs> I know. I write a lot of that. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting stuff. Another degree of hearing, some slight hearing loss for some people. And uh, Parker is one that uh, can give you a story. Parker, you want to go with yours? Yeah, I, I would have to say I, I'm a relative newcomer to the world of hearing issues. I've only uh, only been wearing hearing aids for about three months now. Uh, however, I've been part of the blind community for 40 plus years, totally blind for the last 10 or so. Uh, and the good Lord has took a, he took a de definite interest in my situation because shortly before Christmas, a local hearing aid clinic uh, run by a group of doctors uh, offered a pair of free hearing aids to somebody who would be nominated and they would choose some of the, the best, what they thought best nominating letter uh, to receive the free hearing aids. And my daughter uh, saw the, well, in fact, actually a friend of mine made her aware of it. And she wrote a fantastic nominating letter and I won the hearing aids. Also, it was rigged. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just I don't was, know how rigged it was in the cafeteria, no less. I was absolutely, totally amazed. And the, the doctor that, that called me to tell me I'd won her, she was laughing. She said, I wished I had recorded this because I told her, I said, I've never won anything more than worth about $30, $40 in my entire life. Wow. <laughs> but I, I, got, I got the hearing aids and... I, I have some very strong opinions of, about this because back in the 1960s, I spent some time working for a nationally known hearing aid company. And I was, of course, trained to sell and service hearing aids. And that training that I took uh, required roughly two weeks. Now, the people who provided my hearing aids are, cl are clinical doctors. They've got like seven years worth of training in their college degree and three years in audiology. And they, you know, they really know what they're doing. And I was actually flabbergasted. And my daughter has a relatively soft voice. 
And I know that I was, I'm sure, probably saying, what, what, what? <laughs> you got well, if not, you just hearing, did. <laughs> probably got tired of hearing what. But anyway, anyway, when I found that I'd won that, I went over there and they ran an entire audiology test on me, which took you know, 45 minutes or so anyway. And uh, when the doctor, the doctor had asked me prior to doing this, she said, what do you think uh, of your hearing? And I said, well, I know that my left ear is worse than my right. And I said, I think I probably got a mild hearing loss. And uh, when she got done with the test, she said, well, you were right. Your left ear is worse than, than your right one. But she said, you've got a moderate hearing loss. you got a lot worse hearing loss than what you thought. So while she was doing the tests, was she laughing through the tests to herself then? <laughs> she might have been, but she wasn't in the same room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she, she was out there all by herself. They came in and they were able to sit down and they, I, they put these things on me. And then she, I'll tell you, it's just amazing what they can do. She, they put these things on me and she asked me some questions and she's sitting at her desk about five feet away, typing on her computer. And I'm hearing my hearing aids do all these different, different things in my ears. You know, mm -hmm. She's actually programming them. They, they modify, uh, you know, the, the hearing aids actually do some adjusting as you're in conversations. She had me try them for a week, and I came back, and she asked how it went, and I told her you know, my experience, and she again sat down and started typing on her computer, and she said, well, she said, I can see that the most of the noise comes from the left side when you're where you're talking, and the people you're talking to are primarily on your right, which was exactly the situation. And she said, your hearing aids are adjusting and in my experience with it, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I, I have had, there has been little, if any, adjustment period. Everything went well. And another lady at the very same table that I eat every day, she got the same brand of hearing aids at the same time. And it took her two or three months of grumbling and complaining and what have you. Uh, before before she got hers adjusted to the level that I got the first week, mm -hmm. which I you know I thought was rather interesting. So it does make I think a big difference who you get your hearing aids from. And I I would you know strongly urge you to if you go out and see about hearing aids to to get a hold you know go to some place where they audiologists know what they're doing. And let let me tell you I was listening when you guys were discussing earlier. Forgot exactly who said what, but it, they, we were talking about. I was not aware that I was not hearing these ambient sounds anymore. You know, like tires rolling on concrete and steps on the floor and different sounds that that are part of your navigation when you're totally blind. Mm -hmm. My personal feeling is, if you are totally blind, you your hearing is a safety factor for you. I, I really think that if there's anybody out there that's listening to this, that you can put a word in the right ear. Blind people need to be provided with, with proper hearing aids just for their own safety if they have a hearing issue. And then, you know that, that to me is extremely important that, 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 they, that they do that. And uh, it's, the, the cost of them is uh, 
you know, actually, I heard of some that are higher than what, what Scott was saying. While she was programming them, did you ever get any urges to, like, start smoking or eating more ice cream? <laughs> um, because what I'm thinking, maybe she put subliminal programming yes, in messages, there. messages, yes. So I, I, didn't, I didn't have any, any, any urges. Well, you will now. <laughs> Good point, though. Good point about, yeah. about hearing. I'm sure everybody here would agree. The clinic that I got mine through is a group of doctors called Sound Advice Hearing Clinics. And they, they are scattered throughout Arkansas and Missouri. And why the, with the result, you know, the, the experience I've had with them has been fantastic. And if you're in either Arkansas or Missouri, if you want to look online, you can go to soundadvicehearing.com and you can find where that where they have clinics if they're in your town or not. But if, if they are, it's definitely worth seeing them. The, the safety thing is a real issue. I know that for most people, uh, when they are taught mobility or when they learn, learn mobility themselves as uh, a blind, quote unquote, normal hearing person, you know, audio cues are pretty much everything, you know. Absolutely. They're they essential. Are, absolutely. Yes, mm-hmm. they really are. In my case, I was totally unaware that I had lost these these little cues. And so w- when I got them back, I'm thinking like, oh, my, <laughs> what a difference this is making. <laughs> I, yeah, it it can really make a huge difference even. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, yeah, like your loss is more minor than mine. Not that that's something to brag about or not, but, <laughs> it, it, it is. but you know, well, um, going at any, at any level, yeah. At, yeah, at any level, it can really um, make it so that life is a bit more difficult for you and you have to adapt. I guess my question for you, Parker, is how was the adjustment period for you? There wasn't much adjustment. I mean, maybe, you know, probably for three or four days, I was aware that I had something in my ears. After that, I don't, I don't even realize I've got them in there anymore. Well, how about, how about the uh, recovery of hearing things that you were not had not been hearing for a while? Did, did that become a nuisance or an irritation? You know, no, this is something that people talk about. I will. I, I have heard that in, in having sold hearing aids. I heard that when I was selling them. I did not experience that at all. And the level of, of these hearing aids in terms of the technology is so far beyond what I was selling back in the 1960s. Yes. They lower the volume, they, they make adjustments so that you're not getting that overwhelming ambient noise that's all out there all the time, you know. And I, the thing is, I, I, I eat in a large restaurant with probably 100 or more people eating there. And of course, there's a lot of conversation which you can hear quite well, but I can pick out when I want to focus on somebody, I can pick out what they're saying without any problem. Wow. Yeah. What uh, brand do you have, Parker? I'm sorry? What brand? Of Minor, Phonak. Phonak? Yeah, Phonak. I own two pairs of Phonak. My current version is Phonak. I know Scott have used Phonak. All these different brands, they will offer something different from each other. Uh, yeah, really, there it is. There's a difference between them and what they oh, have. Yeah. Especially when in terms of accessibility, if, you know, this this has a phone iPhone app, this one doesn't. I think Scott and I have used hearing aid for so long that our adjustment takes a lot longer period of time just simply because we've gotten so used to hearing things, we get very picky about, well, I'm not hearing this certain frequency right. Well, yeah, I'm not sure you and so we, we always go through a lot of adjustment um, through that. 
Um, just an FYI, a average pair of hearing aid today, $2,400 a piece, but they do sell them <sighs> upward to about 10000 a piece. Gee. Yep. How, That's tough when you I, have no I assistance. Know, I know it. that 10000 for a pair of hearing aids is not uncommon. How in the world not do you pair, pay? Yeah, how do you pay for yeah, them, though? Well, exactly. see, that, that, that's my point. Blind, blind people, who are, if they're totally blind and they need them, most blind people are not in the economic uh, area where they can afford to buy that. Well, well, I'm semi-retired, like but I, I couldn't afford to pay for them. I mean, no my way. God. It is very much like a car. Um, oh, think of a luxury where? car. They have all these bells and whistles mm -hmm. on it. They have all these awesome things on it. And then you get the, the moderate level is scaled down so you don't get all quite the package. And then they have the lower end entry where you get no bells and whistles, just some nitty gritty. And that's, that's where the huge range of accessibility comes to play. Um, you know, back in the days, five years ago, they didn't have those things. All I had was something called a streamer. And I had something called, it was a necklace that you wear around you. And what that does is think of it as a Bluetooth device. So I would hook up my phone to the streamer and then the streamer would then connect to my hearing aid. So then I can hear the phone conversation. I can hear the phone itself, uh, TVs, anything that has Bluetooth to it. And Nowadays, it seems like the medium prices now have these apps where you can download and they have presets on there. So you can be at a bar and I can program in and say I'm at the local bar and I'll recognize you by GPS. And then you can change how it sounds because oh, man. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, obviously the loud noise I don't like. I want to tone that part down. And you can you can read just all these presets. And then the next time I come back to that restaurant or bar, it automatically pairs to the hearing aid and changes the preset on the fly. Mm -hmm. You were talking about hearing aids as opposed to trucks and car prices. Mine, my economic balance would be like a 1912 Essex. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be a horse and buggy. Yeah, there you go. I would be curious about Scott's brand well, version because his is brand new. I'm curious what he has on his. Well, I want to talk about something and I'll answer your question, but the other factor to consider with price is amplification. If you require more amplification, that instantly amplifies the price, unfortunately. Right. Mm -hmm. True. Um, and that's, you know, it doesn't matter what brand you go with. Um, I'm currently using resound hearing aids. Uh, before really? that, yeah, before that, I was using Phonak. And before the Phonaks that I had, I was using resound. So I kind of went back and forth. Uh, both have their advantages and both have their disadvantages, just like Ford and uh, GM. Mm -hmm. I've heard Resound does something very different to your sound. It's more of a, um, people wouldn't understand when I say dynamic compression. The compression means it would compress anything far away and only hone on something that's very close to you. And that's all you would hear. So if something far away was going on, you wouldn't be able to hear that. So I'm uh, really Surprise. That is that true? That, that used to be true, but there are different modes that do different things now. You know, it's a, it's a really complex thing. That's, you know, those bells and whistles you were talking about, um, you know, that uh, can make the real difference depending on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish. Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention is we're talking about all these different brands, Phonak, Resound, uh, 
Otacon is another one that's on the market. You can't assume that, for example, if an Otacon is something that works for somebody, that's automatically it will work best for you. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you slice the pie, uh, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. And that's good because everyone has a different type of hearing loss. Therefore, they have different needs. Also, their lifestyles are different. And what your lifestyle is can depend on, and what your hearing loss is, can depend on which brand is actually going to work better for you. And unfortunately, the only one who can really answer that is an audiologist or somebody that knows how to interpret an audiogram. Yes, I, I was going to say, you know, sound advice where I got mine, they handle several different brands. And, and they do that. They, they, they're, they do the same thing you just mentioned. They not, there's not a one, one brand fits all kind of deal that they recommend according to what your hearing shows on, on the test, which brand might do, you know, be the best performer for you. Mm-hmm. Well, on the scope of the, the spectrum of accessibility, guys, how, how do you how do you find today, say, compared to ten years ago, with using other devices such as iPhones or smartphones or just uh, landline telephones, if you can find one anymore, uh, other other items that uh, that you would need to listen to? How do, how do you find that has changed over the last say five or ten years? I, I can't speak for the last five or 10 years because I've only just started out, but as far as accessibility, I mean, there was virtually no learning curve. I mean, it took me a matter of minutes to learn how to you know, get them in and out, and that was about all I had to learn. Yeah. I think, um, you know, in terms of how you access things has changed a lot, you know, prior to 10 years ago, I guess it was about 10, definitely 15 you know, the only sort of way you'd be able to listen to something is by putting a pair of headphones on, um, you know, if you couldn't hear an external speaker and hoping mm-hmm. that you don't get too much feedback, which is another one of the things that um, a lot of the modern technology has helped with, and that is uh, running feedback managers on these microphones that are essentially turned up to, in some cases, over 100 decibels, which is mm-hmm. a very loud sound. Yes. Um, you know, as far as working with an iPhone or working with, you know, other external devices, um, just like everything else, in terms of the last 10 years, you know, it's everybody wants more connectivity and, uh, you know, hearing aid wear- wearers. Is that a word? I don't know. It is now. It is now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, dictionary.com, get on it. <laughs> um, in terms of... Uh, Hearing aid wearers, I mean, they want to connect to things just as much as anybody else, and the market has responded. Uh, it, it does come at a cost, but, you know, a lot of things have changed. Um, you know, Thomas made mention of this streamier device that he, you put around your neck, and then you connect through either Bluetooth or a 3.5-millimeter jack. Now, with um, the, the pair I have, for example, um, I can Bluetooth directly to my hearing aids. I don't need a device around my neck. And um, it works pretty darn well. Um, there are some challenges for speech-only users of voiceover, depending on the brand you have. Uh, there are also workarounds for it. So, um, And you can control a lot of things. Um, I know that on my resound hearing aids, I can control all my audio levels. I kind of feel like I'm in a radio control board room or something now. Um, because, for example, right now, the only thing I have on is you guys but if at any time i want to bring up the noise level around me to hear what's going on outside of the environment that i'm patched into 
I also have that ability through the uh, iOS device. Okay, so this is done via an app on your phone or on your iOS device? Uh, no, I mean, it has an app, but you don't need one because um, it's part of the MFI support. You can get into it through your control center, um, or if you go to accessibility uh, settings under iOS, you know, general accessibility, right. MFI devices, once you're paired, you get a lot of control just through that, which is not, it's fairly agnostic as, you know, as long as it's an MFI supported model, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can even switch programs within um, that screen, not the control center part, but the uh, under MFI devices under settings. Now, how does it work so, like with movie theater attending? You know, they have uh, hard of hearing uh, headphones that you put on, and I'm sure you probably wouldn't even want to take advantage of that. So you'd have to listen to it through another way. And I'm not going to be one that goes, ah, so do you go to movies and stuff then? So how does, <laughs> how does that work for uh, going theater attendance? It depends on the theater and the way their uh, assisted listening devices work. Mm -hmm. uh, because what you have is some of them have the headphones built into the device, in which case you don't have a choice on what you're going to use. Mm -hmm. um, others of them have uh, like old school headphones where it's a 3.5 millimeter jack connected to a receiver. Uh, and those are the best kind because um, even if, for example, you're using a device like Thomas is using the streamer, uh, I had one that Phonak made called the Compilot that had a 3.5 millimeter jack on it. So as long as I brought a cable uh, that had a male-to-male 3.5 millimeter uh, jack on each end, I could patch my system into their assisted listening device. Mm -hmm. um, now, I almost do that. I, I, I actually bring my own pair of headphones in that case. So do you? Yeah, and 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 I'm sorry, oh, no, and then. Some of the uh, headsets that they have, they're like an all-in-one unit, mm -hmm. and then you definitely have to wear them. Like, there's no choice. You can't bring your own. You have to use what they have. And some theaters have gone to that because they're worried about, I guess, people recording, you know, the audio. Oh, sure. Like, well, they do anyway. And no matter, there's really not much you can, you know, <laughs> I've seen. I, I understand that also from a friend that uh, a lot of auditoriums are now installing Bluetooth capability. Bluetooth equipped hearing aids can tap right into the into the Bluetooth network in the auditorium, make it real easy to hear. I have not really experienced that. There's also what they call looping systems, which are an entirely different technology altogether with its own limitations. But uh, I have heard of those. Yeah. Yeah, I have a friend of mine up in Madison that, that says that Madison has several of them up there. I guess. Oh, hmm. haven't heard of that. And Thomas, you said you bring your own headphones sometimes. Are these over the ear? And if that's that's the case, you put these over over your hearing aids in place, and then they make the adjustment automatically. Or do you have to make the adjustment? I have to. Okay, so these are. Um, you're right. They're on on a daily basis, like on a podcast. I have to wear over the ear, so mm -hmm. it, my my hearing aid has to be enclosed with the ear. Obviously, the microphone is on the hearing aid, not on my ear. So it has to be wrapped. But in the movies, the problem that I have, and I wish, and I'm, I don't know it, about other theaters, but my theaters, they, the, the audio device they give you is great and all, but the problem is it only gives you the audio description. It doesn't the, oh the actual. Oh my gosh! Movie. No, you're no. kidding. No, so I have to get on the ear, which means that it doesn't cover my hearing. So the headphones on the ear, so. 
the microphone on the side of my ear picks up the audio description and the microphone in front of me is pointing towards the speakers in the movie theater so I can get both. And I do have a lot of problems with that. I have to do a lot of tweaking, a lot of moving around. with. The I can see where you would. Yeah, yeah, I can see where you would. Absolutely. If they wouldn't have mashed that together, then it would be around the ear all the time. Or like Scott says, I would just use my streamer. Um, <laughs> The problem with my streamer, though, it, it lags. And that's one of my major problems that I have with my iPhone or any accessible devices that hooks up to my streamer. There is this terrible latency. So if I'm flicking, flick, flick, swipe, swipe, swipe with my finger, mm-hmm. it may take a good second before it will come back to your ear. And so what you're doing on the screen is going faster than what is feeding into my ear. So it's yes. really annoying. That'd drive me crazy. Um, but I'm hoping that these new ones that Scott has, the latency are so much better that you can actually get around a little quicker, which I am curious if he found that um, he, he still has the lagging issues. The lagging isn't as bad as it used to be. It's still there, but it's not as bad. Like I can actually do touch typing on my screen now and the lag isn't horrible, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not instantaneous. It's not like plugging a pair of, uh, you know, hardwire headphones in. Um, you know, and the other thing you were talking about, the audio descriptive track and the, uh, the movie itself, for me, I, don't, I can't really follow both at the same time because the, the audio from the theater is usually very echoey. Um, so what I end up having to do if a place has assistive listening devices and just audio descriptions is I have to rig up a way so that I get one in one ear and one in the other. And it, it's kind of frustrating. It doesn't always work the way you expect it to either. Yeah, because you obviously have to hear what they're saying, but it's right. not being translated. It'll just say he placed his coat down and then yes. he's talking. And so, yeah, it's like Scott says, you either have one ear enclosed or you just do the tweaking thing I do is I find one microphone that I can use for the audio description and the other microphone I use for the actual theater. So Sometimes it, what you can do if you have a mild hearing loss um, I don't think, I don't know how this would work in a theater because as far as I know, none of those are accessible with Braille. Uh, but, you know, m- many theaters, you just ask them to turn the closed captioning on. So depending on where you're sitting and your vision loss, you may be able to follow the captions and mm. know and know by looking at the screen also who's speaking because the captions are, you know, in different different colors sometimes or they're located like right above the person speaking. Um, if you're doing it at home, what you can do is read the captions and um, what I've done is, is I've used the captions um, and the audio from the you know actual movie in one ear and then I have another track with just the audio description <laughs> in another. So it's kind of crazy, but it works. Yeah. yeah. Because the captioning does not include audio description, you know, whatever's going on. The audio, uh, the captioning assumes that you know, you can see the screen. You just need to know what they're saying. Right. You just need the dialogue, yeah. What what drives me bonkers is that the both theaters do this. They have this switch. They have A and B. B is for audio description, and A is for hard of hearing people that just needs to increase. So that it's there, because if I put on A, I can hear the whole movie being much louder because it's been amplified, and then I switch it to B, you get the audio description. It's like, we have the technology uh-huh. once you just Yes, yes, just uh, combine them, yeah. But yeah, the, the, the streamer, 
when in terms of accessibility on my iPhone, it's the lagging. Like Scott says, when I start typing, oh, it is dog slow. It's like T age. Yeah, so second is a long t- is a long latency. That's that's a long time. I'm sorry really I brought is. this whole thing about movies up. Well, it's a discussion because that's yeah. why there was a lot of huge backlash when Apple took away the three and a half millimeter. Oh, yeah. Like oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. When we went to hardwire, there was no latency. We were able yeah. to go really fast. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Well, what about what about home theater things, guys, like the streaming Netflix, uh, Amazon, and of course Apple coming. How does that work for you at home? Do you do you, do you have a better experience? So if you're watching a movie uh, with other sighted people or not sighted people, and you're using your hearing aids, and you want the DVS as well as the uh, uh, the audio from the from the, the the movie itself, yeah, a much better experience at home because I have the streamer, I have a a TV adapter that um, you hook up to. To your output of your TV, mm-hmm. so I get the TV sound plus the other description if it's turned on sure. on TV, or the movie itself goes through the TV. So the output goes to this um, this receiver, and that transmit to my streamer, and then I can turn it up loud as I want or down. So I'm getting both of both worlds at the same time. Okay, okay. that's good to know. I know, Scott. What about you? Yeah, um, I mean, if I'm just sitting at home um, and the movie has a description like it does on uh, Netflix or iTunes movies or whatever, um, I have, what is mine called? I just got these things. So I think it's called a TV streamer, but it's essentially the same thing Thomas has. And what you can do, um, it has a three, this one has an optical connection that I've never oh, used. Cool. It's also got a three. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And, and, um, the audio quality on this streamer isn't as good as what I had. There's another one called the TV Link that goes with Phonak hearing aids that use a Compilot, which is the same. It's similar to the streamer that Thomas was talking about. Mm-hmm. Audio quality on that, for whatever reason, is much better. Um, but, you know, the audio quality on this one is tolerable. Um, the trade-off is that I have MFI support, which helps in a lot of different situations and for different ways. I agree. In the end of the day, I, I, I just use my iPhone for movies um, because I hear it so much better through the iPhone. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the reason, the reason I asked that are those, some of those questions is I was thinking back to the days when, when I could actually see in my grand, was my grandparents was wearing a hearing aid and it was a thing where it had the, you know, the big box that he had to put in his shirt pocket and he mm-hmm. ran the cord up to, up through his shirt and into his ear. And he was constantly controlling the volume of that thing was whatever was going on, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you think about accessibility and those terms, you know, basically if he was going to hear on the telephone, he'd put the phone down in his shirt pocket, you know, I had that. <laughs> I had one of those. Yeah. I did. I had this big box. Yeah. One yeah. little earpiece. They didn't have two ears. That's and, right. Yeah. Um, they, they would squeal and you wouldn't know it's yes. and did all this. All it did was just amplify. There was nothing. Yes. But back then, Bill, all they had a silent movie. So what difference would it make? <laughs> well, that, that's true. But the problem was, you know, you were trying to tell him what the what was going on elsewhere in the house. And no, I, I don't know. <laughs> so do you find that the, the industry, you know, I don't know what you would even ask for because you, you guys both have such uh, different degrees of hearing loss. So I kind of uh, am wondering 
And because I, when when I don't know if it's even gotten any better, because I, I go to movies and usually they get it kind of right. But if you tell them that you are hard of hearing, they give you a, a blindness set of you know headphones, and so you're hearing you know audio description. And it's vice versa. So if you say that you're hard of hearing, I'm sure it's probably the other other way around. They they don't give you something to amplify or to, or change the situation. So, I, and they are all really, you know, they're young kids and they just, they have no idea. They look at you kind of like, why are you here? And they figure you're there just to eat popcorn. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are the it's same like, ones that always give me the close caps and headset mm-hmm. every time. Well, when I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of deaf friends who go into restaurants and they get handed braille menus. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I, 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 I think we got all range of people. We got the moderate. I'm considered severe, which is, I think I'm in the low end, 90 percentile loss of hearing. And then Scott's at the profound, which is, I'm guessing, 98, 99 percent. Uh, well, technically, we don't measure hearing loss in percentages. If you're, I mean, if you're talking about speech recognition, you do, but normally they measure it based on, you know, decibel loss and the frequency at which the loss occurs, but. Um, like I said, I hear nothing with mine out. So was that a hundred percent? I don't know. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they say I'm sure. profound. I don't feel it though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're absolutely profound. <laughs> you're, you, right. I've always known you to be very, very, very pro Scott. <laughs> That's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop, uh, with these hard of hearing jokes. It's really not right. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you hear me now? What? <laughs> you know, I, I do have to say... You're not it's hearing an echo by any chance, are you? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you finally fixed your microphone. There's something different. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> in, in my case, my loss was mild enough that I, I really didn't honestly realize... I had much of a hearing loss, so I, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of things to get used to again. Yeah, and I, and and some people, um, you know, when some people, depending on how long they go with the hearing loss and everything, um, have a situation where it's too loud for them at first. You know, they can't deal with it. They hate wearing it because it, it. Well, it, my my son-in-law, who was a is a retired Navy jet pilot. And, of course, you know, jet pilots tend to have severe hearing losses. When we were up there visiting one time, he went into the, in the town and picked up a set of hearing aids, came in, and we sat and watched a movie, listened to a movie while with, with his hearing aids in. My daughter and I went to go back. They have a cabin, a guest cabin, where you go back to stay because they live on a farm. We went outside to go out back to the guest cabin. He came out with us, and they live right by a river. And the frogs were having a a sing fest, and he said, "What's that?" <laughs> <laughs> That's the frogs hearing these out and didn't put them back in the rest of the time we were there. Parker, you do know what they were doing out there, don't you? Well, yeah, I do, but I didn't want to mention it. We're frogging. I, I, I didn't realize this was an X-rated show. I mean, you're at the age where you should know these things by now. <laughs> no, maybe he's just forgotten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that part's true. <laughs> so I guess before we close this uh, wonderful cast, uh, 
What would you what do you guys what would you say to people who are really looking for a set of hearing aids? Who do you go to to find out how you can and I guess there really isn't much help out there. How how in the world do you uh, find somebody that can help uh, monetize some of these expensive devices? Do you have any sort of advice for them? Let's don't move to North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a tough question. I wouldn't. Now, yeah, it's a tough question. Now, a lot of states have what they call an equipment distribution service program, um, and what they'll do is say, let's say, for example. And this happens often. You have someone who has a mild hearing loss in one ear, a mild loss meaning not very bad, but they could use some amplification. Uh, here in North Carolina, that's the only thing we have. If you qualify uh, income-wise, and this has nothing to do with your vision loss, uh, you can get one hearing aid that's a real basic hearing aid from the state of North Carolina. And other states have these programs too. Um, you know, you might want to look into the Hearing Loss Association of America's website. They have a lot of resources up there uh, that can help you get started in terms of looking for funding. Uh, audiologists want to help you look for funding because they realize that if you can't buy the hearing aid, you're not a customer. Um, there's an additional program called Audient, A-U-D-I-E-N-T. Uh, they work with some audiologists. By the way, I'm not endorsing any of these services. Uh, nor does this have anything to do with my job. Would, as you know what I'm going to say, I, I would strongly urge anybody that, that is, thinks they might need hearing aids to make you go to a certified audiologist where they can get that. This company, that the clinic that I got mine to, they have a policy where they will not ask you to pay anything until you until they have you comfortable and satisfied with your hearing aid. Yeah, so, and, uh, and they have like a half a dozen different ones that they can choose from, you know, and it, it does make a huge difference. I'll tell you that. It That's definitely right. does. And you do have a trial period available at most places. Right. Places will yeah. Be 35, uh, 30 days. Mine did 75. So, nice. and they'll work with you along the way. Uh, like I've gone to get mine reprogrammed just to make adjustments uh, two times already. And I'm going to go a third time when I return from my New York trip. So you really um, need to find a good audiologist, one that I, I would say use one if you can, that's AAA certified, that's their certification because that means they have gone through school and done all the things. Uh, and while it's not always true that somebody with a degree knows what they're talking about, pointing at myself here, <laughs> um, <laughs> the odds are higher that they're going to know what they're talking about. And you know, with your hearing is like any part of your health and it is part of your health. You want the best care that you oh, can yeah, get. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Researching. Um, as, 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 a trained um, audiologist, they, they're like almost like, they, like an MD. They've got about seven or more years worth of training invested in that. They do, but like Scott says, it doesn't mean they know their, their clients and their needs to what pair. Um, those are good audiologists. I mean, it's just like, Going to an eye doctors, you, you got the low-end eye doctors that just like, oh, yeah. yeah, you look good. And you have the ophthalmologist that says, oh, yeah, you have RP. You know, it's where the low-end, we don't even know where to, where to look for an RP. So Scott's right. It really does make a difference in audiologists. It really comes down to your researching and then asking the right questions. Right. Like, what is my hearing loss and, and which aid is better? You know, do a lot of questions like why why not this brand, why why this brand, and, and et cetera. Um, 
because it, it really does vary on different brands and different needs for your ears. Be your own advocate. Uh, yeah, exactly. You've got to be your own advocate. Now, in the state of Missouri, we, we do have a program um, that if you do need a higher end or a pair of hearing aids, there is um, loans that can be given to people that are hard of hearing that are interest-free and um, so they do have some situation where they can help you get a loan if you're not able to get a loan yourself. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these, it's just like a car. Sometimes you have no choice but to get a loan because you need something on a monthly payment and not a, a one-time. Uh, of course, you can pay them outright, but I don't think a lot of us can do that uh, unless we... Uh, no. If you were smart enough... Um, I wish I would be able to just put away a hundred bucks each month and five years from now I can go buy a new one outright, but it just never works out that way. No, it doesn't. And I'm not being facetious here, but I, I would think that they would take your, your age requirement. I mean, they would look at me and they go, are you kidding me? You're not going to get a loan from us cause you'll never be able to pay it off. They can't discriminate and it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no age. Oh, I had no uh, idea. Yeah, they can't. They can't use ages or reason. Okay. All right. And as I mentioned before, if you have some rehab services in the state and you do go to work and you do uh, are going to school, you can always go through the rehab services Mm -hmm. um, where they are supposed to uh, give you things that you need, such as hearing aids. So Mm -hmm. um, there are services out there. It's just the hard part is that a lot of people don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not every state's rehab covers it. Like Division of Services for the Blind here in North Carolina flat out told me we we do not cover hearing aids. Wow. Yeah, just different. Different states does different things. Um, I think one of the other things to to keep in mind is that for most people, uh, remember, hearing through a hearing aid and the, and the larger the loss and the more amplification you require, the less it's going to sound like natural hearing. Right. Um, and, you know, for me, even as someone who has been a hearing aid wearer for 20 years plus, each time I change hearing aids, it's a bit of an adjustment. And it may, in the long run, be a good thing. But, um, you know, Parker had great success, which I'm glad to hear, but it's, it's a struggle for some people to adjust to the way things sound because it is so different. Yeah, that would be my recommendation, too, is what Scott says, is that be patient. Um, when you get new a new pair of hearing aids and it doesn't quite sound like the way you, you used to remember it, it takes time. Um, this is like a your brain is like hearing things, something totally different again, and it has to reprogram itself. And that's why it's so normal to say it can take a month or two or several months before your brain starts to recognize what is hearing associated with that bird or that door. And it takes time because that, sometimes that can be frustrating. I, I, I know Scott can probably agree with me that that first month with any new hearing aids, oh, oh my God, it's, it's hard. It um, is. Um, I mean, I just went through it myself and, you know, like it was really rough at first. And then I went and had some adjustments made. Um, and most audiologists, if not all, I, I hate to say all because there's always a rule, mm-hmm. an exception to that rule. Uh, but most of them will give you free, you know, oh, yeah, come in anytime you want. We'll set up mm-hmm. an appointment. You know, if something isn't sounding the way you need it to or you've noticed you're not hearing something, 
we can reprogram it. And now with some of the modern hearing aids, you don't necessarily have to go to their office to get it done. Right. They can do right. it. Through, and that's the nice part. And make sure the audiologist does offer those free uh, tweaking because mm -hmm. sometimes they will charge you per visit. Uh, be sure to ask those in advance. Like, what are my warranties? Um, how do I get a year's worth of free tweaking and adjustment? Because those are very essential and very important. Did you say that they can be tweaked from outside the office? Because we had just a little bit of a drop. Yep. Okay. Uh, so it can, depending on the model and, you know, what the, audi the audiologist is set up to do, mm -hmm. it can be technically done uh, like mine, you know, um, are connected to my iPhone and through Bluetooth, and there are ways for them over the phone to make adjustments for oh, me. Oh, that is cool. Uh, wow. That's, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would assume, too, that probably the more profound your loss is, the longer the adjustment time is going to be. Yes, I would agree. Um, you know, and then you look at things that aren't hearing aids like cochlear implants, which are an option for people. I'm right on the cuff of having to go do that because there's nothing more powerful on the market. Um, those take an even longer adjustment period. They always, you always with surgery, you have to worry about the risk of failure because once this is done with the cochlear implant, your ear is gone, Ooh. like not physically, but you won't be able to oh, hear right, anything. Yeah. Either. Yeah. At the moment, they're working on that. But, you know, so even if hearing aids are getting to the point where they're not powerful enough for you, you do have more options, which are more covered by insurance. Cochlear implants where are covered, hearing aids are not. Oh, that's insane. The thing with it, it is mm -hmm. because it's way more expensive. Um, and the other thing is that the adjustment period is way longer. Um, I have a friend of mine who just has gone through this. She's totally blind and um went through getting an implant in one of her ears and you know it's six months on now and she's just now understanding speech through it so it's mm -hmm. a real major adjustment you know especially for a blind person sure mm -hmm. and that brings me to another point which is when you work with an audiologist don't assume that they understand what your needs are until you communicate them they may be very educated in the ways of audiology and how hearing aids are supposed to function but they may not be educated in terms of how blindness impacts that hearing loss. And that doesn't mean they don't, they're not willing to learn or they're not willing to listen, but you do have to give them the chance and explain to them, Hey, this will not work for me because, or this is a security uh, or safety concern for me. So I need to be able to hear, you know, this particular sound. So when I'm in my home environment, for example, I need a program where all that stuff is not filtered out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are these are things you really need to be bring up and you need to be the patient, but you also have to be patient, like we said, even with the audiologist. Mm -hmm. Good point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of communication that has to go through. And if, if they don't quite understand my other recommendations, I had an audiologist one time saying, I just don't understand. I said, all right, I will record in an environment that I'm in so you can hear the actual issue and the problem so he can understand where the frequency is causing the problem because I was having some issues um, of not hearing certain people and other people I could. And so I would record their voice and things like that. Um, they can hone into that and do a lot of, so do a lot of work with them. Hopefully, you know, if you don't get a good vibe from them, that they don't seem to be like um, workable. There's, there's always a different audiologist in the area. So yeah, just like a, like a doctor. I mean, if you don't like your doctor, go to a different one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
or like if you know you want uh, a doctor, you know, if you're going for you have heart problems, for example, even as a general physician, you may want somebody who has a little bit of a specialty in cardiology mm-hmm. or, you know, um, hearing loss or whatever it is that your medical conditions are. Audiology is no different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I was saying before, there are programs for people who are low income. Uh, I was saying, talking about audience, that's one of the programs that work with audiologists across the U.S. to uh help get hearing aids that are very expensive for people um, who can't afford them. And believe me, the number of people who can't afford them all over the place. Oh, sure. Uh, Sure. And there are other resources out there that you can look at um, that are local. It just depends on your area as far as what other kinds of resources you might be able to get to, if not pay for the whole thing, perhaps offsetting it. I know some people have had luck with the Lions Club. Um, in their local area. Some have not. So, I mean, uh, but you do have Audient, uh, which is a nationwide program, and that's something that, you know, pretty much anybody can look at and contact them. And a lot of the time, if they're not, they don't have an audiologist that they work with in the area, they can sometimes refer you to another resource that's more local. So, um, again, I'm not endorsing necessarily any of these programs. I wasn't even endorsing <laughs> Sprint on a professional <laughs> level before. <laughs> I have to make sure and make that clear because you know how people are. Um, but yes, the you know it, it it really boils down to doing your own research, just like everything else. But you know that's the good thing about a cast just like this, uh, Scott and uh, the rest of you is the, the fact that you're willing to share the information and your own experiences. Mm-hmm. And it helps a lot of people to understand there are uh, options I can I can look at and maybe find a way to um, make things better for myself or maybe for someone in my family that I just didn't know about until someone told me about Spent or someone told me about Audient or a particular audiologist or how this thing is, you know, how I may express my difficulty to somebody else. So, that's why I'm really grateful to you guys for coming on tonight. Yeah, and I remember talking – I was tweeting with Scott, and I said, have you ever heard about our new podcast called Accessibility Moving Forward? He goes, no, I haven't, and I'm not coming on. <laughs> yeah, well, could you blame him? <laughs> I think Scott was a smart guy. Yeah. Well, well I was right. initially interested until Randy told me he was on it, right. and then I'm like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> So anybody, well, thank you for, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm, uh, go, go ahead, Scott. Everybody, whoever. Oh, I was, uh, yeah, everybody all at once. Why not? Get <laughs> everybody talk too. one time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for, for bringing me on. And, you know, uh, if there's ever a need to expand on this or if there are things that uh, you guys find, you know, feedback from listeners or whatever. We don't uh, have any. Know, if, <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> you <laughs> forgot about that part. <laughs> What do you mean? There's five people listening right now. We're on the podcast. You got five listeners. There you go. (laughs) You don't really really think we listen to our own cast, do you? I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) That is five people. That's the biggest audience they've had for. That's right. (laughs) Hey, I've. That's you know we get what four or five on our extras, Thomas. So you know you guys are competing with Apple. There you go. That's right. I, I, I'm, I'm with Scott. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. So thank you very We're much. We're always glad to have you on, Parker. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, Thomas, it's, anything else to say? 
No, I, 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 with Scott, I appreciate it. And um, I, I think as with Scott, um, feel free to um, drop Randy a, an email if you guys have any questions about certain things. Uh, not that we'll be able to answer them, but we'll do our best. But there's always so much more stories we can give you too. But yeah, this thing can go on for hours. But thank you so much for having us on. I'm just glad that we're going to be educating the um, listeners out there for the, or thinking about getting hearing aids or don't realize get your hear, hearing test find out and um, go from there. Our email and Twitter information is coming right up but before we do that I'd just like to say I've got an email from a listener who wants to hear about some accessible doorbell stuff so we will be talking about that plus a lot more. We have a lot more planned we uh, really do regardless of what you think. <laughs> So, Randy, did you email yourself about that? Is that what happened? I, <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. Let's see. Where's that mute button for Scott here? <laughs> Thanks a lot, everybody. This was just a great cast. Absolutely tremendous. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. On behalf of Randy Rustic and myself, this is Bill Tillery saying thank you again so much for joining us on this episode of Accessibility Moving Forward. We are always pleased when you send us your suggestions and comments reaching amf at gmail.com. That's reaching amf at gmail.com. You also may contact us via Twitter. Our handle there is at A11YAMF. That's at A11YAMF. Or you may leave us a voicemail at 218-209-2133. That's 218-209-2133. As always, you, our listeners, are the most important part of this cast. It would be worthless to do it without you. Thanks, and be with us next time for our next episode of Accessibility Moving Forward. Remember, as Bill said, without you, we're absolutely nothing. Nothing.